Well, welcome, friends. Thanks for coming back to week two of Starting Point. Just look forward to spending uh, another hour or so together just to continuing our progress towards how to talk to people about God. And so also just uh, appreciate those who are watching online and uh, those on via podcast. Um, hope this information is encouraging to you as well. If anyone needs more information, uh, the slides or the notes, uh, you're hap- happy to get those to you. You can email adultministry at wildwoodchurch.org and we will get you that information. Let's start with a word of prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for making yourself known to us. Um, thank you for bringing us to a point where we recognize our own sin and need of a Savior. And you, you wooed us to yourself, Lord, and we repented and turned from our old ways and, and clung to you for all hope. Lord, thank you for the life you give us both here and for eternity as a result of uh, faith and making a way uh, possible for us to bridge that gap. You, you overcame sin, you overcame the grave, and you were resurrected. And Lord, we know as a result of that, Lord, that one day we will be with you and all of our loved ones who have, have put their faith in you as well. And so we look forward to that day. But until then, Lord, help us uh, to be part of the the missional work of the church. Help us to uh, hone us in on um, our own skill sets and gifting that you've given us and help encourage us as we study and practice and then step into God conversations. Lord, we thank you for these opportunities and those that shared with us. Bless our time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just a a little bit of review. We looked at what is evangelism uh, last week, and we defined it this way from a definition that we had to go all the way back to 1974. But from the Lausanne gathering in 1974, it says evangelism is to spread the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins and was raised from the dead according to the scriptures And that, as the reigning Lord, he now offers the forgiveness of sins and the liberating gift of the Spirit to all who repent and believe. I trust everyone in here uh, can affirm that and say, uh, I have done that. If not, we need to have a conversation right after this, uh, or you can email me. But it has to start with that, and we have to really be specific on what is... uh, evangelism and what is the God this is the gospel because we can get around the edges of doctrine and theology and this is the the first message that needs to go forth um, that we need to not lose track of this okay we also looked at whose job is it in evangelism and we looked at well to save that's God's job he does the heavy lifting right but to tell that's our job And we also looked at a method, not the only method. There's a lot of other methods out there, but we looked at sharing the through the method of the bad news, good news approach. Have a method. You may say, well, I prefer the Romans 623 method, or I preferred the Romans road, or I've preferred the four spiritual. Okay, because the gospel is in all of those, but have one and have one down pat that you could be so comfortable that you could just turn to your neighbor tonight with confidence and say, I can share the gospel. Are you nervous? <laughs> We're not going to do that. But, but we need to practice so that we can. You can practice uh, with a friend, with your spouse, um, with your kids. That'd be great. But have one. Have a method. Also, I wanted to clarify something, because when you do go forward with the gospel, there are, we certainly talk about sin, don't we? And it's, I think it's important that when we look at Romans 3.23, we look at Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, in Romans 6.23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
or Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That let's be careful as we have God conversations with other people that we don't, we're not necessarily focusing on their sin. Okay? In fact, if, we can, if you can find a way to point to your sin, that's even better. Let me give you an example of maybe how you can, you can do that. And, and after going through those verses about sin, one, one thing that you, you could say, and I've used this before, I came across some information uh, a while back that said, it was actually stating what percent of, the, of people in the United States believed in the afterlife. What would you think that that survey said, that study? What percent of people believe that there's an afterlife in the United States? Let me hear you. What do you think? 85%. 85%. That's really close. You might be right. But th- this study was 80%. 80% of people thought that in, the, in the United States thought there was an afterlife. Now, of those 80% that thought there was an afterlife, 90% of them thought that heaven was a part of the afterlife. Okay, that's interesting, isn't it? And then of those 90%, how many do you feel it was their thought that I'm going to be there? They believed in heaven, and I'm going to be there. How many? 90. 90. 99.5% of those left said, I'm going to be there. Now, the last question. What do you think the number one answer was? How do you know you're going to be there? What do you think the number one answer was? I'm a good person. I'm pretty good. I'm not, they may say I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty good. And one of the things that, that I have said is that if, the more I think about who I know God is, and the more I know who I am, I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that if it came down to being good, I don't have a chance. You see what you did with that? You basically, you pointed back to your own self. Now, Romans 3.23 says all have sinned, yet yeah, they are included in the all, but you don't have to tell them that. <laughs> the, the Spirit will. They know. But when you can talk about what, where you're at, it might open more of a door. In fact, in some cases, somebody may say, well, wow, you know, if, if you don't think you have a chance, well, there's no way that I'm going to, you see? So, don't focus on their sin. Maybe even find a way to share about your shortcomings and how you know that Christ saves and forgives you. But don't make it about being good because if the standard is being good, nobody has a chance. I don't have a chance. So, okay. If you got your Bibles, turn to Luke and we're going to look at, we're going to glance at, the, at this whole chapter, but we're going to look specifically at verses 1 and 2 And I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. And as I read Luke 1 and 2, what I'd like for you to do is I would like you to be looking at this and say, what's interesting, what's really interesting in these two verses? And if you have the answer, raise your hand. Luke 15, 1 and 2. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. What do you see interesting in those two verses? Remember, this is Dr. Luke. Uh, you know, this is his gospel. And he's put this down here and for us to read. And he writes it this way, that the tax collectors and sinners were gathering and the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling, saying, this man eats with sinners and um, tax collectors, and he eats with them. What's going on? What, it, what jumps out at you right there? Any, anybody? Anne? I just see their heart, the, the Pharisees being hardened, the religious group. Yeah, the religious group had a hard heart. 
The sinners were coming. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good observation. They were open. They were moving forward. You're right. That's good. I also see that as it's written here, that the Pharisees and the scribes, they didn't even see themselves as sinners <laughs> because they're pointing the finger at, look at them, sinners. They don't even see themselves as sinners. And here's what, here's the real question that Luke 15 answers. In fact, the, the three parables in Luke 15 they're back to back to back. And if, if you ever see that in scripture where, you know, you, you got back to back to back, it's like he's really hammering something home, okay? And so this is the question that Jesus is gonna answer from these two, from the way, the position of the Pharisee and the scribes and their attitude, not seeing themselves as sinners. Because they wanna know, why does Jesus eat with them? Why in the world? And so three parables are told. I know many of you have heard these, the lost sheep. And Jesus says, which one of you, I'm paraphrasing, which one of you, if you had 100 sheep and one were lost, would not go out and look for it? And then if you found him, would not come back and celebrate? And Jesus says, I tell you, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous who don't need any repentance. He goes right into it. He goes, I'm not done. <laughs> and, which, and he goes into the coin, the lost coin, the parable of the lost coin. And similarly, he, he said, which one of you, if you had 10 silver coins and you lost one in your house, wouldn't just look all over the place for it. And then when you found it, you'd be celebrating. And he says the same thing. There's more joy in heaven. And the angels rejoice over one sinner who, who repents. And what, what Jesus is saying in these parables, he's making a clear distinction and his distinction is our value systems are different, aren't they? The Pharisees and scribes cared about possessions. But Jesus cared about people. You go all the way to the, the last parable in Luke 15, the lost son. And, and while it is about a lost son, it's more about a father who forgives. And the older son, I know you know the story, bitter, angry at dad. What are you doing throwing this feast when he's come back? He's squandered all your possessions. See, it's still about the stuff. It's still all about the stuff. And that older son represents the Pharisee and the scribe. And Jesus is saying, <laughs> in this case, the father, who represents our father God, looks at him and said, do you not know he was dead <laughs> and now he's alive? We have to rejoice. So why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners because he's a loving God full of mercy and he has the power to forgive the one who knows they're a sinner back to back to back stories what this all points to is this God values the one <laughs> He values every single person. Always and forever. Regardless of their political affiliation. Regardless of their ethnicity. 
regardless of their economic status, their views, or even their behavior that get under our skin. Christ died for them, and he loves them, and he will seek them. Every person matters to God, folks. The question we have to ask, do they matter to us? The hundred, the ten, and the two. The hundred sheep, the ten coins, and the two sons. There was one in each of those. And the point is God values the one. He values the lost. Okay. There are two must-know principles in evangelism. The first is evangelism is a process. And by the way, I want to give a shout-out to Search Ministries because much of this material is coming from Search Ministries. Mark Burgett and Ken Mendenhall have taught me so much through this material, and I'm very thankful uh, for them. Um, and, And so I'm sharing some of the material that they've shared with me. But the first principle in evangelism is evangelism is a process. And what I mean by that is this. First of all, where would you be on this scale? If the cross represents the moment in when you came to faith in Christ, and the maturity is your way over here, maybe Mark Robinson, (laughs) or Mark probably wouldn't put himself there. But I think he's a pretty good, awesome dude. Very mature. But, but where would you put yourself over here? Okay? And then everything to the left is someone who's hostile to the gospel. Okay? So the worst person that you can imagine over there on the left. You realize how much time we spend with each other on everybody that's to the right of the cross? Just together doing Good things, I mean, doing worship things, doing community things, those are all good. But how many times do we go to the other side where the lost are? And that kind of paints that picture. And we also have to realize that in this, that it's going to take time. Often it takes much, much time. If I were to sit down with m- most of you, you would tell me all the people that, you know, that, that had an influence in your life. It's many. Mark Burgert uh, shared one time that a study that he saw, it took 30 people, God conversations, before one person ever came to faith in Christ. So it's 30 God appointments uh, on the left of the cross and just nudging, nudging over towards the cross. And sometimes when we, we see that, we say, well, we think, well, which one was the most important? <laughs> How would you answer that? Which one? All of them were important, weren't they? If they move someone to closer to the cross, they're all important. But sometimes as believers, what we do is we sit back and we think, well, there's 29 people who really kind of wasted their time, and there's one person that got it right. <laughs> Evangelism is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. When it comes out, you are sharing the gospel. It's not about closing the deal. God does that, remember? But let's share. Let's leave the results up to the Lord. And this is what we need in the church. We need everybody in the game. We need everybody not just agreeing to this, but saying, what can I do? Who can I have a conversation with? Who can I move closer to relationship with? And that's our hope. The reason that we say have a method and be ready with it 
It's when that opportunity comes, you're saying, let's go. And from my story last week, if you didn't hear it, you need to listen back to it. Even when you blow it, does God still work? God is still working. It's not how slick we are in our presentation. Be faithful to do what he's leading you to do. God will take care of the rest. Any thoughts on this? Anybody? Okay. Take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 35 through 37. By the way, let me set up the context for this text for, for this text before uh-oh, we just lost connection. Not sure. What happened? Um, the context for this this text is the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus was at a well. They'd been traveling, journeying in earlier. Uh, in John, and he gets to this this well in Samaria, and he sets down. The disciples go on into town to get some food, and so he's sitting there, and a a woman comes up and starts to uh, get some water, and Jesus speaks to her, which is really odd because Jewish people didn't speak to Samaritan people at that time, unfortunately. But Jesus says, starts up a conversation and asks for a drink of water, which kind of throws her back. Okay? So read it. it it's, it's, it's excellent. Read all of John 4. But in, in, in what happened next is as she dialogued with Jesus and he, he told her of her life and she recognized him uh, for who he was. And she talked about, well, I know a Messiah. I know you must be a prophet because you told me my history. And and everything, and so, um, and, and, and Jesus responds, you know, and says, because and she, she mentions that I know a Messiah is coming, and he says, well, I who speak to you am he, <laughs> claiming he's the Messiah. And she goes back into town, and she's telling everybody. I mean, wouldn't you? You're telling the town. Like, I've, this guy just told me everything in my past. This is Messiah. He's up there. Okay, so the reason I want to set that context up is because look what happens in, in these verses um, in 35. Don't you have a saying, it's four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your mouth, or excuse me, open your eyes and look at the fields. So imagine the, the people from the town coming up. <laughs> and he's talking to who? He's talking to his disciples, Jesus. Well, there's this old saying, it says four months and then the harvest, da, da, da. It's, it's coming, you know, it's, you know. I tell you, open your eyes, look at the fields. And I imagine Jesus pointing down at the people coming up. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Some metaphors in farming shared here. Um, what are some of the things involved in farming? There's, some of them are mentioned here. What are some of the things that you got to do to get a crop? You got to sow a seed, okay? What do you got to do before that? Sherry Smittle? Would you get me a power cord? Thank you. Um, what else? Prepare, prepare the soil. You got to turn turn the soil. Okay. 
What else? To get a crop all the way through. Might be a little bit of what? Water, maybe a little fertilizing, a little weeding. Yeah. All these things. It's a process, isn't it? There's a lot of things involved. And all these things are needed. Multiple people are needed. But there is a harvest ahead, isn't it? And that's what Jesus' emphasis in this text is. He's pointing that the harvest is there. It's right in front of you. That's why so many of us as Christians that are very churched and doctrine literate and we can, we've got our Christianese and we've got our, uh, you know, we, we, we know how to talk the talk. But sometimes we stop short of the gospel. And the harvest is right there. And Jesus is saying, look at it. It's right in front of you. Anybody from a farm community uh, harvesting wheat or anything like that? Anybody? Nobody? Just me? (laughs) Wheat? Yeah. Peanuts, okay. Well, I grew up on a farm, and we we had wheat. We had cattle as well, but we harvested wheat. And one thing about farming, um, I can tell you that my dad didn't get a weekly paycheck. <laughs> uh, pretty dependent on the sovereignty of the Lord and, you know, the weather and so much. You could do, you could do everything right in your job and you might get a promotion. You know, you could, you could move up maybe. You could do everything right in farming <laughs> and a hailstorm comes about May 15th or something and you got nothing. Here's the deal. I mean, in growing up in that, as a little guy, I mean, the harvest was a big deal. I mean, that was, that was our income. And all of the effort that was put in through the year of the tilling and the fertilizing and trusting God for rain and, um, and hoping the green bugs weren't coming this year and all of that, it brought up in me just this, this, this anticipation and the whole family. We were just, the harvest was fun. I mean, it was, you kind of, we were always looking at the forecast, you know, and saying, are we going to get that slot? Because when it's time to cut the wheat, you got to cut it, like now. I mean, we would, we, if, if the winds were up and the humidity was down, we'd go all night. We got to get it in. And what happens is that plant comes up and blooms and it fills out in the berry and it's moist and then it dries and you don't harvest until it's dead. And when it dies, the wheat head bends as if submitting to the sun. I'm ready. Similar to us, when we're at the point of we realize our separation from God and what we deserve, death and separation. But there's the harvest, and when the head drops, you got to go get it. And there's this great excitement and hope to get out there. You've got to get your machines ready ahead of time so that when it's ready, you go. And generally speaking, the end of May, the first couple weeks of June, there's a lot of combines mowing through fields in Oklahoma, right? Are we ready for the harvest? Um, I was leaning like a power cord. Like to, I'm out of juice. I think my battery died. So you can go to my office and get that. Thank you. Um, so 
totally off my notes here. We'll see how we do. So the first thing that we need to realize is evangelism is a process. The second thing we need to realize is God is responsible for the results. The Holy Spirit is going to do the heavy lifting. We're not in this alone, but God, with our mouth, allows us to, be, to participate in this life-giving process of sharing the good news. And when we realize that it is a process, it's, it may take a long time, may take a lot of effort, but we realize God's responsible for desert, results, that is so encouraging. There is one thing that God cannot use in us as believers, and that is our silence. Be in the game. We need everyone in the game. Turn to your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 3. We're going to look at another passage of Scripture. And Pam, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you text Reagan and tell her I'm going to be calling her? And we're not going to do the video? Okay. 1 Corinthians 3. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Let me repeat that. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's fields, God's building. Amen. Amen. We're planting, we're throwing some seed down. We're turning a little soil. Remember the diagram up here. We're, 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 we're moving people. God's moving them. He's making things grow. He, it's his, he is making the progress. Excuse me. Yeah. But we need to... Be sensitive to what Jesus is saying and open our eyes to look at the fields and to realize just, just do our part. God will do the heavy lifting. He will make things grow as we are faithful to just continue to follow him. Paul says get to work here. I've thrown the seed down. Paul has watered it. Let's go. In March 2016, um, I was on an airplane coming back from a conference, a pastor's conference. Dick, I think you were with me on that conference, uh, at the Shepherd's Conference. Mike, you might have been with me. Um, and we had taken a lot of, lot of men from the church, and, and we're at the back end of it. And, and if you get me around a bunch of guys, I'm going to be probably staying up all night, and we're going to be having, telling stories around a fire and stuff like that. And so at, after the conference you know, was over, just powerful speaking, I mean, just your brain was fried. But then we're not done. We're going to go sit by a fire and... Um, drink some tea and talk and tell stories. And that's what we did for, you know, five nights. <laughs> and every time I go, it's awesome to be with all the men, to be encouraged strongly in the word. But, but at the end of it, you're done. At least I am. <laughs> I'm white. And 
on the way back, we get, we get in the LAX and we get on the plane and, and actually I'm going to tie Greg in here. You remember when we about missed the plane? Yes, and they, you, yeah, me and Greg, and they, they call her name. You don't like to have your name called over the loudspeaker. Greg and I were there and they called us and we're just getting, we're, we're sprinting because we're, we're going to lose our plane. They changed uh, the gates, yeah. gates or something. So we get there and, this, you know, and, and we're going and I, I find it and Greg goes and I was like about the last one on and I'm sitting down and I'm like, oh my goodness. And I finally got on a plane and everybody's like, where were you? And I was like, just, we're here, you know, and, uh, and I, I mean, if I wasn't worn out enough, I'm done. I'm just so, and, and I, I, I remember praying, God, but I had a seat in between me, you know, and I was like, Lord, thank you for your grace Thank you for allowing the seat to be beside me that I can just spread out a little bit. And um, just for a little bit, we're going to go to Arizona and touch down and get on another plane. And they're getting ready to shut the gate. And they hold, hold on, one more's coming. I'm going to go, oh, no. And forgive me for this, but I prayed, God, please don't let him sit by me, whoever this is. And, um, and here comes a guy on the plane and he was a real happy gentleman and um, full of life. And he walks by me, and as he walked by me, I'm kind of like, no, I'm kind of trying to look really wide and, and uh, you know, and, and praying, of course, you know. And, and, ba- and he says, I may be back. And I was like, oh, no, Lord. I kn- by Greg. <laughs> Said by Greg. <laughs> Uh, and I said, Lord, you know how hard I've given my whole all night. And you know, I need a, just a little time. And just pray the seats open, if it be your will. And, of course, you know, behind he says, I'm coming back. And I was like, oh, no. And, you know, then he said, comes over and he says, can I have the window Sure. And so I go over to the middle seat. He crawls over. You know, I'm trying to be polite. And, and I just said, my name's Brian. And he says, hi, my name's uh, Guardian of Masculinity. <laughs> oh, boy. And I uh, didn't know how to respond to that. And we sat down and I, and I, and he was a talker and and I was pretty frustrated, but he was going to have none of it, and he just wanted to visit, and, and I'm just trying to get out of the conversation. And I did pray um, another prayer. God didn't answer that one. I'm going to stay at it. And I prayed, um, God, you know, I know this man probably needs Jesus, but if, if you want me to say something to him, you need to make it really obvious. <laughs> you ever done that with your prayers? You kind of put God in a box. And, and we just took off, and I just said that. And he, he didn't know me. I, we hadn't, hadn't talked at all other than introducing our names. And um, he said... Brian, look outside. Look at those clouds. And I'm, I go, yeah. And he goes, I think heaven's going to be like that. <laughs> wow. Well, that's pretty crystal. <laughs> and so, okay. And so the rest of that flight, um, we started in on conversation. I said, you mentioned heaven. You look for an open door, right? He gave me one. <laughs> he kicked it wide open. And you think heaven's going to look like that. You must think you're going to be there. He goes, oh, I'm going to be there. I'm 99% awesome. And I said, well, I'm going to be there too. But I'm not 99% awesome. And it led into the gospel. What do you mean? And about a third of the way through, he goes, Are you a pastor? 
And I said, yes. And then he turns around in his seat and he goes, I'm sitting by a pastor. (laughs) It's true. It happened. (laughs) Um, We touched down. uh, I exchanged some information with him, our contact information, and um, uh, sent him some material. And we dialogued quite a bit, you know, for about three or four months. And it was good. And a year later, I'm going back to the same conference. We touched down in Las Vegas this time um, to change planes. And my phone goes, goes up with a text, and I look at it, and it's from Guardian of Masculinity, otherwise known as Al. And Al said, Brian, you're the only person that I know that I could call. But my mom is in the hospital, and she's dying. Would you pray for her? I said, I'll not only pray for her, I'll visit you. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I said, I'm going to be in L.A. in about an hour and a half. Silence. We've continued to stay in touch uh, over the course of my travels out to L.A. And um, it has been um, very encouraging to see him reach out to me, even in times of pain. Um, He's not made it to the cross, to my knowledge. But I'm pointing him there. And we just have to be ready. And when we embrace this, that I planted a polis watered, but God is the one that makes it grow, it changes everything when he, that, that we think about when it comes to evangelism. There's three barriers that come to mind when embracing Christ. That, pe- that, that keep people from embracing Christ. And we have a, a definition there. It says, sharing your faith, evangelism, is the process of making the gospel clear. But there are often barriers in place that make the gospel impossible uh, or seem impossible to understand or embrace. Overcoming these barriers is an essential part of the process in evangelism. And I hope to get through the first one tonight, and that's the emotional barrier. The emotional barrier, um, it's re- it, re- it results from, um, hold on just a second. bad experience. A person that has an emotional, ba- um, emotional barrier has had a bad experience with Christianity. Know anyone like that? What are, what are, some, what are some bad experiences that, that you've heard that, you know, in this emotional barrier that just keeps from, it just seems like they're stuck. Let me, let me hear, let me hear some of those. Thank you, Greg. Okay, yeah, just just going and blowing all the time, and you know, as a kid, if they don't understand it or whatever, it just gets gets could get blurry. Um, what what are some other ones? Maybe even you could imagine bad experiences. Yeah. 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 Yeah, someone's sick and said, you know, 
and pray. If we pray, God's going to do this, and then the, the person doesn't get better. Then, well, where's God? I'm out of here. You said this was going to happen. Anybody else? Those are good. Yeah, Brian. hypocrisy in the church. Why would I follow that? You got the fish on your business card, but you cheat people. What's up with that? No thanks. So what their response to that is obviously, get out of here. And they want to even isolate themselves from being around Christians as a result of these bad experiences that they've had. Well, what's our responsibility? Our responsibility is to build relationships, earn trust, cultivate a growing and non-manipulative relationship. Be interested in them. They are worth it. The ways that we can overcome our emotional barrier, here are some. Value the person. God values the one. As he sat at a well and talked to a woman He valued the one. How many Samaritan women have we walked by? And then develop relationships based on common ground. Here's the definition for common ground. Areas of shared interest, backgrounds, experiences, ability or life situation that serves as a basis for developing and deepening a relationship. You're following Jesus, this person's not. What do you have in common? Spend some time finding something that you have in common. Don't look at just the surface and go, well, he doesn't like to play golf. I'm out. Wonder if he likes to fish. You you can work towards finding something that you have in common. When Jesus sat at the well with the woman, what did they have in common? Water. <laughs> you got some water. She's getting water. I'm getting water. There's a conversation. Starts up. As you get to know the person, you will find out other things that you'll you'll get to know them. Get to know their life, their background, where they came from. That's interesting. Focus on them. Not on telling your story. Get to know their story. It's intriguing. And it opens up a door of opportunity. You know, one thing that we have in common, I think, with, I haven't met anybody that we, I didn't have this in common with them, is lunch. <laughs> you know anybody that doesn't do lunch? Maybe somebody. But invest in that. Take them to lunch. Hey, you want to meet for lunch? I'd love to get to know you. You're laying down some seed. You're wanting to hear about their story. You're showing your, you, that you are interested in them. Here's another thing. Pick up the tab. Always. <laughs> in 1 Corinthians 9, um, 19 through 23... 
we kind of look at the discovery of common ground. This is what Paul is saying here to the church at Corinth. He's looking for common ground. Listen to what he says. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win. Notice how many times win is in here, by the way. That I might win more of them. To the Jew, I became a Jew in order to win the Jew. To those under the law, I became as those under the law, though not by myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I became as one outside of the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of grace, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. Wow. Now that's an encouraging text and an attitude Paul had. I'm doing all this for a reason. I want to see them one for Christ, saved forever with Christ. Let's go. What an attitude. To win is going to take effort. Other things of overcoming the emotional barrier. Develop a mindset of always looking for common ground. A mindset for to always look for common ground. Ask questions with the intent of discovering the other person's interests. That's not hard. Jesus was a pro at asking questions, right? We should learn from him. He asked questions like, what is written in the law? How do you read this? He asked questions like, who do you say that I am? Whose portrait is on this coin? Just, just questions. As Bruce would say, Bruce Hess would say, questions are our friends. Questions lead, questions lead us to information to get to know them better. Once you've found some common ground, explore the extent of it. Make time to develop the relationship on common ground. Common ground must never compromise either your message or your morals. So don't put yourself in crazy places where you might be tempted to beyond what you can control. Okay? If, if a person has a problem with, let's say, alcohol or, you know, just let's, let's not mean at a bar. You know, be wise. Identify your network, the people in your communities. Now listen, we can go through this and we can understand this and we can even embrace this. <laughs> but if we, don't, if we don't take it all the way here to number nine and say, okay, now who are some people I wonder that I could maybe get to know? Then they'll just stop and we'll have a, had a good evening and you've learned a few things. And, but write some names down. Write some names down and start looking and thinking of, of who, who might I be able to ask? Out for lunch. When you think about it, you have these big areas of maybe family, of co-workers, of neighbors, maybe involved in sports recreation or other, other types of groups, affiliations. And then it you know, you have your closer acquaintances and closer friends in that and then the ones on the outside. But all of these people within that the sphere of all these categories, they all count. Why? Because God values the one. And he values the one that's around you. But not me. And that's why God put you there. 
in context with them to be the one. Maybe one of many, but be, be one that's going to say, I'll step forward. I'll get to know you. I will care about you. And we can have fun together in the process of getting to know each other, maybe doing some things together, going on a trip or, a, or even playing golf or whatever, or even having a lunch. Okay. We're going to try something here. I don't think that... Greg, I'm not set up on the... Um, or did you set me up with Reagan already? Okay. So, uh, did you text her? Okay, so you know, you know my daughter. Uh, I introduced her to her. Uh, at least, uh, this is her. I told you about the trip that we went on together. And we had this really cool thing planned out tonight that we had hoped was going to go off. And of course, technology uh, crashed and it's likely my fault. But um, Reagan, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Hey, um, sorry about the, the video thing not working. I apologize. Can you hear that at all? Yeah. You can? Okay. Well, um, I apologize. Um, I was just getting ready to set up our, our time when we went to in, in August of 2018. And we took the, um, the trip to Colorado. We climbed the mountain. We get up to the lake and read, uh, read some scripture. But then I challenged you with a prayer. You remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and this is the prayer that I challenged you with, Reagan. God, within the circle around me, would you lay one person on my heart that I might intentionally move into a closer relationship with in the hopes of having an opportunity to share Christ? Um, you agreed to pray that prayer. And you checked in with me every once in a while, or I checked in with you and said, how's that going? <laughs> And remember that? Yeah. And, but I want, I want you to take us to the, because uh, I, I hung everybody here in class last week on, the, uh, on a cliffhanger, and I, I didn't finish the story. I just basically said, we had the talk. You said the, you were going to pray the prayer, but take us to the moment that you, you felt led by the Lord, that God was answering that prayer. Would you take us there? Um, 
humans to be robots. He created us to um, be able to make choices. And um, so anyway, that was just one tidbit. So Zahir kept kind of asking questions, and, and eventually we got to the hotel, and I just felt like we had just begun. I mean, we're talking about faith here. This isn't like a five-minute, you know, conversation. And so I said, you know, hey, do you have anywhere to go? I mean, it's probably like 10 o'clock at night. We're in the hotel parking lot. And I asked, can we just, you you want to talk to someone? Can we just sit here? So under the street lights in the hotel parking lot, we continued for probably an hour and a half. And, I mean, he was just asking textbook apologetic questions like, you know, why do the innocent suffer? And, you know, well, what about miracles? What's all that, you know, business about? And I remember thinking, I mean, I was just constantly saying, like, Lord, speak through me, speak through me. I wish, like, my spouse or something was here, or my dad, because I just did not feel qualified. But um, if he asked a question I that I didn't know, I was just honest and said, you know, I, I don't know the complete answer to that. But, you know, here's what I do know, and here's why I believe. Um and so, anyway, conversation ended, and I got the Harris email and um, followed up with him, and I actually sent him a TBI video from the Apologetic series. Um, I think I, I sent him week one, which was uh, Does God Exist? I was talking about that. And, um, yeah, so that was how the Lord answered my dangerous prayer, and I mean, it when we were talking about it, I was just, like, so on fire for the Lord. I was so excited to be in this situation because, again, like, I, this had never really happened to me before, and then I pray this prayer, and the Lord, you know, sometimes answered prayers are, you know, they, they may not be answered exactly how you expect, but this is, like, black and white, like, here it is, here's your person, and so I remember, I think I called my dad at maybe midnight after Zahir and I were done talking, and it, I was It was like, one o'clock. Oh, no, it was one. Yeah, I have to, I, I think I probably looked you up, I'm like, I have to tell you about this, and so, um, yeah, I think about Zinger often, and, and I pray for him, and so, um, yeah, that's, that's the story. Okay, thank you, Reagan, I appreciate you. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Sorry, we, I'd love to have shown you her and had that conversation, but I hope you're able to hear it. Um, but yeah, it, it was one o'clock in the morning. It scared me a little bit when your daughter call, you, calls you and you, it's a one. And, and I was, are you okay? And I'm up out of bed and, and she says, God answered my prayer. God answered my prayer. And I'm like, what prayer? <laughs> I'm like, are you okay? I mean, and she was like, dad, I got to tell you. And I just sat by my bed, you know, with tears going down my face, realizing, you know, um, you know, that that she had been a part of the evangelism process of just laying the groundwork down um, with, this, with this man, Zahair. And he had questions. And I remember her saying at the end of it, nobody's ever taken the time to answer any of these questions. And claimed that, you know, I, I just say I'm a Muslim. I don't know if you caught that. I just say I'm a Muslim because people won't talk to me. And yet you said, I'm a Christian, and you told me why, which led to the conversation. And it kept going and going, and he wanted to know more. And so anybody going to Denver? <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> if you take an Uber, uh, you might look up a Zahar. Continue the process of evangelism. And continue... Uh, to turn the soil, to water, and, and see what God has done. Report back to me <laughs> if you do make that journey. Uh, but but that's, what, that's what it's all about, isn't it? I mean, we just, the people in front of us that we have eyes wide open saying, you know, God, you know, who, when, where, what, what, what can I do? But we have to, we have, to have a mindset that we're going to do this. We're not just going to talk about evangelism. That we're going to be active in it, and um, and so that's my hope. Study a method, get it down, practice with someone, um, and in the future, down the road, you know, don't let those questions 
stop you. Last week we, we touched on this, but there's some new folks in here. I just want to say this, that, you know, questions are your friends, but I know questions can be scary, but uh, the thing that we can say, you know, as, as tough questions come our way is that's a great question that deserves a great answer. Would you allow me to do a little homework on that and get back to you? Disarming. Sure. Pre- people appreciate that. Don't let your fear of not being able to have the right answer right then stop you. Step forward into the relationship. Let's see where it goes with the intent and the hope that God will open that door and make it clear to you, now's the time to share the gospel. Okay? Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, Thank you for uh, revealing yourself to us and the fact that we have this as to be your ambassadors, to carry this message forward, uh, it's a, an amazing responsibility. And we want to be found faithful as a body, as individuals who you have saved. This message is too good to keep to ourselves. We've got to get this message out there. Would you help us to do that? And Lord, for this group, um, I would ask each of them you know, to... Uh, as, as they uh, depend on you and trust on you and are contemplating their God conversations that the two, they too may, may seriously consider saying this prayer. I know it's a prayer that you want to answer. I know it's a prayer that you will answer. And, and Lord, I just pray that we would consider that. In fact, earlier tonight, a testimony of someone who prayed the prayer and it's already been answered and she's already shared. Praise God. Pray that that uh, that seed was planted, that it'll, it'll find its root, Lord, and that um, you bring forth the growth and bring in the harvest. Put other people in that person's path, Lord, that'll do the same and carry it forward. And may we see the fruit as a result. Lord, thank you for this great opportunity we have to be your representatives and spring us back next week as we continue to move through this and study and work and dive into God conversations. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Intellectual barrier, the volitional barriers, and how to improve our communication. Okay? You're dismissed.